Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Oh, what's up, C12? How are we doing tonight? We doing good? Come on, I don't know about you, but every time I'm in this room, I just love seeing you guys go after uh, worship, and, and that just so brings my heart joy, which is why I'm so excited for our night of worship, like Justin talked about, on the 31st. Uh, uh, we're going to have a like, community that night. We're going to have food that night. I mean, come on, who doesn't love food? Like, bro, if there's free food, like, I'm showing up. Uh, and, and, and I don't know, man, your week could be like horrible, but like if there's food, you're like, ah, oh, dude, it instantly makes it better. Like we all have our, our comfort food. Like yours might be, I don't know, like Chick-fil-A, uh, no Chick-fil-A lovers in here. Okay. Uh, might be Zaxby's, uh, could be McDonald's, could be Burger King. If you hit a new low point in life, uh, it could be Chipotle. And listen, I'll just say it. Chipotle over Moe's any day of the week. That's my hot take. That's all I need to say. So, man, you guys can come back up. We're going to close tonight. We're done. See, all of us have our, like, guilty pleasure when it comes, when it comes to food. What, what, what's your comfort food? Just go ahead and shout it out. <laughs> crumble. Okay, crumble cookie. You got any crumble people in the house? Okay, okay, shout it out. What, what's, what's another comfort food for you? Sirloin. Is that, did I? <laughs> just, a, just a sirloin. <laughs> I love that. After a hard day at work. <laughs> 10 o'clock. What a 15 ounce sirloin. <laughs> See, if you think about it, all of us have our comfort food. Yours might be this guilty pleasure of Taco Bell. And if you're like, man, if I'm honest with myself, like if people knew how much I had Taco Bell, like that'd be a problem. Like if people knew how much I had crumble cookie, like, oh dude, that, I'd get judged hardcore. <laughs> See, all of us, all of us have them. See, when I was younger, my, my comfort food was a Japanese restaurant in the mall. If you're wondering if I had any standards about food in high school, I sure didn't. <laughs> it, was a, it was an Asian uh, food court in the mall. And this is my favorite place to go to. I had it so much that the owners knew my name. You ever been to a place and like they know your name, they know who you are, they know what your order is? Like as soon as you walk in, they're like, yeah, I'll ring it up for you. And you're like, oh, I'm a regular. Uh, so as I'm walking into the mall, literally what they do from a distance, okay? Granted, I'm in, I'm in high school. I already have like this mall anxiety. It's not really a thing, but I'm gonna make it a thing. And, and, and you walk in, you don't really like wanna be alone. And now you see all these other groups of people. And now you're just kind of scared to be by yourself. And literally as I, I'm not even to the cash register yet. And she looks at me and from a distance goes, you're the two chicken teriyaki, extra meat, extra sauce. You're the stir fry rice to go boy. I'm like, okay. It wouldn't make that awkward. I was like, what? It's like, yeah, how comforting. I was so embarrassed. Like I, I didn't, I want to be called out by who I was. She didn't even know my name. She just said, you're the stir fry rice to go boy. I'm like, my name's Alex. Thank you. I'll take my food. And as I'm walking up, it's like, people are looking at me like, man, he's got a lot of food. And like people like look at, they give those judgmental eyes. They're not saying it out loud, but they're saying it in their head. They're like, who's this fatty? Like how much food does he have to walk away with? And then you got to justify it. And you're like, that's for my family. Uh, <laughs> put two forks in the bag. Uh, <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> See, I, I, I got to the point where I had it so much that I actually had food poisoning from this type of food in the mall. And after some time, I went back to the same place to go get the same food. <laughs> Not because it was healthy, but because it just made me happy. See, that's why we love eating Waffle House in the moment and then we feel like we send later. Like it's instant gratification, it's instant happiness. Like that's, that, that's the thing. I walk in like, man, the waffles are great. The floors are slidey. I don't know the environment. You could be a felon making my stuff. I don't care. Like 
this is the best place. <laughs> it's freezing cold. I'm in a fridge, but I love your food. <laughs> it's the thing about your comfort food. It's what makes you happy. It doesn't make you healthy. It's not why you picked it. See, happiness is just about the instant gratification. It's kind of what we cling to sometimes in life. We have this perpetual cycle of maybe just going through happiness. Like, I just want to, I just want to live and make decisions that make me happy. And it leads us to kind of going through some of these stages. And these are kind of known as the, as the happy stages. These are kind of maybe as each stage goes down, there's a, a deeper ingrained belief. But the first stage, the first stage of happiness is whatever makes me happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. So whatever makes me happy, oh, that's just, then that's probably the right thing. If it makes me feel happy, then I think that's good for me. If it makes me feel happy, then it's probably a healthy thing. And then whatever makes me unhappy, it must be wrong. Well, if I don't feel joy out of it, then that's probably not the right thing. It's, it's kind of a cultural lie that we tend to believe. And then you, when you kind of believe that, you start to go down to another, another layer where discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences that, well, that can't be God's will. Over the last two years, I've had, I've had suffering. I, I've lost people that I've loved. I, I, there, there's things right now that I'm going through. And when you start to believe on a core level, well, when things are all going bad and when things are all suffering, when things are all just full of inconveniences, it can't be God's will. And when you believe that, even on a deeper level, it leads to the stage three. See, without knowing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. See, each stage is a deeper ingrained belief. And I believe that the more we let ourselves off the hook on holiness, I think the more that we grab the mantle of happiness. Jesus never called us to be happy. He called us to be holy. I'll say that again. Jesus never called us to be happy. He called us to be holy. Look at what it says in Matthew. This is chapter 22. It starts out in verse 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this is a Pharisee talking to Jesus. This is a religious leader asking the question. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is taking everything that Moses talked about in the 10 commandments. He's taking everything that was in the Old Testament. He's taking everything that the law and all that boils down into two things. He's summing, summing it up into two things. Love God, love people. And Jesus is talking to religious leaders. So it's kind of like a Christian audience, if you will. This commandment isn't optional. It's not just when I want to. It's not when I feel like it. It's not if, it, if holiness makes me feel happy or if it feels like the right vein. What Jesus is inviting people into is obedience. See, a love, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind means that we give everything that we have to him. I have no distractions in my mind. I'm gonna give everything that I have to love Jesus. I make him first and I make him the main agenda. But what does this mean? Sometimes holiness seems like an abstract concept. You're like, well, holy, to, to be holy is just for those that are holy. <laughs> like, to be holy is, that's like, that's for my grandma because she's super religious. To be holy, like, that's for my uncle because he's a pastor. No, to be holy, well, that's like, you know, kind of the person who lives up in the mountains and they, you know, wear sackcloth and they eat rice and beans. Like, they, they don't really enjoy life. That, 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 that's for those type of people. Like, they're, they're holy. And when we don't make holiness personal to us, we always think that it's abstract to our world. And this is the definition of Holy. It just means to be set apart, 
Holy means to be set apart. And when we're set apart, that means that we don't live like the rest of the world. We don't live our life like the rest of the world lives their life. So this affects our decisions. It affects who we date. It affects our character on and off the field. It affects our character in and out of the workplace. It affects how we act and how we live our lives in public. It affects how we interact with people on campus and how we maybe treat our, our family or our friends, how we treat uh, coworkers and teachers. See, to be holy means that we're set apart. Therefore, I don't live like the rest of the world. And Jesus invites us into holiness because he is holy. God is holy. God is set apart. He is perfect. He is the one who's without sin. Peter, or, uh, it goes on in 1 Peter. It sums up who Jesus is. It's, but just as he who has called you holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we all get it. Like we all get the invitation. I understand, okay, yeah, I have, to, I have to be holy. But sometimes when it comes to the command of holiness, it can lead you into a dangerous trap. And that dangerous trap is Christless holiness. If we're taking notes, you can write that down. The danger is called Christless holiness. Basically, that's just trying to be holy without Jesus. It's trying to live a life that's more set on religious practices and structures and rules, and I'm just gonna abide by the things that I feel like I should do. And maybe you went to a Christian school growing up. Maybe you grew up in the church. You went to Christian camps. Maybe you kind of have some record of faith in your life, and maybe this is some of the stuff is just familiar to you because you just grew up in it. And the danger is that you can live a life where you feel like I'm being holy, but rather I'm just demonstrating Christless holiness. See, we all have different experiences growing up. For, for me, I grew up in the church. But for me, I never valued the church. I never really understood why I need to go to the church. And so our family was kind of more like the, like we walk into church and we're like, sometimes like a giant circus walking in. Like people are late and then, you know, my mom's phone is on 98 volume. It's like blowing off in service. And I got the Bible upside down. I drop it. And then she smiles, pay attention. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm four years old. Like, I don't know like what you want me to do. You got, I have ADHD and a pack of sour Skittles. Like I can't really pay attention to what's going on. And then my grandma's sitting next to me. And we actually, this happened one, uh, one night at a, a Christmas Eve service where she, she took out her hearing aids about to have communion. And so it's like this quiet, solitude type moment. And she pulls out her hearing aids and she has gum in her mouth. And without her hearing aids, she literally turns to me and yells. Like, I mean, screams. And she goes, what do I do with my gum? I'm like, <laughs> like, like grandma, just like, just, you know, put it, put it, put it away. Like, do I swallow it? <laughs> like, Grandma, just give me the, give me the gum. <laughs> just give it to me. I'll hold it. It's juicy fruit. It sucks anyway. So why are you eating that? <laughs> we, were, we were that family just going into church. Like we didn't have it all together. And I just thought, well, that's just the thing that you do. I just got to go on Wednesday nights. I got to go to youth ministry. I got to go to Sunday mornings. I have to just do all the right things. And it kind of just boils down to this little bit of a personal equation that I thought about holiness that I actually had to deconstruct as I got older. I thought I'd lay it out for you. Maybe it's helpful, maybe it's personal to you, but I just thought kind of growing up and maybe there's this cultural pressure that sometimes we impose on ourselves or sometimes that we live out of. And it's just kind of like, man, if I read you know, X minutes of the Bible and I do this uh, X amount of minutes of prayer and I do this you know, for however many days a week, it just leads to holiness. If I just kind of abide by the, the, the things that I know that I should do based on the time, 
I'm just kind of measuring quality and quantity. Well, then that equals holiness. And when holy, hang with me, when holiness is more focused on the practices of faith than the personhood of Jesus, it's Christless holiness. When holiness is more focused on the practices of faith than the personhood of Jesus, it's Christless holiness. And that's the problem with Christless holiness. You try to find something that's manageable. You try to find something that's measurable. And you can't manage it. You can't measure it. I love what Jesus goes on to say in Mark 10. He's speaking to a man that had come up to him, and he, Jesus goes on to say in verse 19, he says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He goes on as a teacher. He declared, I have kept all these since I was a boy. It's just kind of like saying today, yep, I go to church. Yep, I kind of read my Bible from time to time. Yeah, Jesus, I pray. Yeah, I'm kind of in it. But Jesus looked at him and loved him, and he said, one thing you lack. He said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus is inviting that man into true holiness. It was never about just abiding by the practices, checking off boxes, making sure that I had time to pray, making sure that I had time to read God's word, making sure I had time to set aside where I'm alone with him. So what does true holiness look like for you? What does true holiness look like for a community? See, holiness, I really believe that that God is even inviting us into tonight because we are the church. And a couple weeks ago, when we went over the emotions series, we went over the story of the death of Moses and what that meant for Joshua and the nation of Israel, that they had to mourn and then they had to move on. They had to go and accomplish the things that God was inviting them into. And I believe that generation is similar to our generation even today. It's the Joshua 5 generation. They had to move on and move forward. They had to move on and move forward. A lot of times we talk about what the last two years have done to us, that we get paralyzed and we don't move forward. I think God is inviting us to move forward. And before they could make an impact, before they could take territory after territory for God, God had to take territory in them. And before we go as a ministry, before we go as followers of Jesus to make an impact in the world around us, God has to make an impact in us. A lot of us have a lot of passion about, I want to go change the world. I want to go reach my college campus. And we fail to recognize, well, God has to do something in me first. If I'm more passionate about what God wants to do outwardly than inwardly, then I'm in danger. Because if the church, if we lose, if holiness loses its relevance, then the church loses its influence. If holiness loses its relevance, then the church loses its influence. Well, why would anybody go to church if they just look like the rest of the world? Why would anybody want to believe what you have if your life doesn't look any different than theirs? Why would they take advice on dating if you date the same people they do? And I believe God is inviting us into true holiness. Do do I have permission tonight to just kind of go deep with holiness? (laughs) All right, it's all I needed. (laughs) Because you really can't sugarcoat holiness. You can't talk about holiness and then obedience and sin. Let's have cake after service. (laughs) I think holiness is on a deep level. Maybe for the next 15, 20 minutes, 
that maybe just put on your spiritual scuba gear, if you will, and, and you just go deep with what God is inviting you into holiness. I'm not exempt from holiness. If you're a volunteer leader in this room, you're not exempt from holiness. Holiness is not a standard that God puts on leaders. Holiness is a standard that he puts on followers of Jesus. This is for everybody. Sometimes we put way too high expectations on pastors for them to live out holiness, but then we do whatever we want with our life. I think scripture has a high command for holiness. So before we jump in, before we go deep into what is the aspect of true holiness look like? I just wanted to pray. Wanted to pray over tonight. Pray that God would give you maybe a word tonight. Maybe God would invite you even deeper than your faith has already been. So God, we just come before you. God, this isn't my best thought. This isn't my um, God pulling together things that I, I just thought that I, we could whip up and it could be good. But God, I pray tonight that you would invite people into true holiness. God, for those right now that are maybe even in ministry in this room, God, would you remind them that holiness matters. God, I pray that for anybody in this room, God, would you put on their heart that holiness matters. And God, that you would call us deeper. And so God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen, let's jump in. Going right back into the Joshua 5 generation. Because the Joshua 5 generation was a redemptive community. And to kind of understand a redemptive community, you have to understand kind of who they are. Because a redemptive community is a community that God uses to take kingdom territory. And each community is either redemptive or regressive. I'll say it again. Each community is either redemptive or regressive. Say that with me. Each community is either what? Oh, we can do a lot, a lot better than that. Each community is either? Oh, until we're on one page, one heartbeat. Each community is either? Each community. Well, we'll get there. Regressive and uh, Redemptive means that we move forward. Regressive means that we move backward. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Redemptive means that we move forward. Regressive means that we move backward. So now it's not just about a community. Let's take it a little layer deeper. Each person is either redemptive or regressive. Everybody possesses their own spiritual climate for their life. And maybe a way to kind of get a gauge on what that looks like. Well, maybe asking the questions of what is God teaching you right now? What is God doing in your life right now? What decisions are you making that are drawing you closer towards Jesus? In what ways are you choosing to follow Jesus in this season? What's the last thing that maybe God told you? If somebody were to ask what God is doing in your life, would it just kind of overflow with stories? It'd be like, hey, God's teaching me this. I'm sitting in this passage and, and, and God is showing me all these things and, I'm, and I'm, I wanna make an impact on, on, my, on my college campus. I wanna make a difference in my coworkers and you just can't shut up about it or when people ask what God is doing in your life, you almost have to dig farther back in the archives to pick out the last God story that you remembered. How current and how fresh is it? See, the Joshua 5 generation, they were a redemptive generation and they lived between two regressive generations, the Exodus generation and the Judges generation. This is the Exodus generation. This is what Moses was leading out. They sat and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. This is in Numbers 14. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. 
So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more. How many of you guys are older than 20 in this room? Nah, none of us made the cut. Awesome. <laughs> who has counted in the census, who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore. Imagine that. Imagine you're 20 years old. You have this big promise ahead of you. And now the rest of your life, all you're looking at is what I didn't get to do. It goes on in verse 31. As for your children that you said will be taken as plunder, I will bring them into enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year, for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. when you read that, it's kind of uncomfortable. You're like, that doesn't seem like God, that God would be against me. But you see in this story that that sin has consequences and that holiness matters. See, grace without the concept of holiness is unbiblical. Grace that removes holiness and for that to be a priority of your life is unbiblical. This kind of ends a little depressing for the Exodus generation. They would not follow God into the promised land. They, they, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. See, these are the regressive mistakes of the Exodus generation. See, they lost a vision for their future. They lost what it meant to still pursue God. They didn't think about future generations. They didn't understand the consequences of sin. They didn't understand that all oh, my decisions would maybe affect me, but also those that I'm here to raise up. They focused on where they were, not where they were going. See, when you focus on your past way more than your future, it's usually a good indicator that your holiness is starting to fade. Without vision, your holiness fades because you have no direction of how to move forward. That's the Exodus generation. They're the ones that are before the Joshua 5 generation and then the generation following the Joshua 5 generation was the Judges generation. So after that whole generation, so this is now skipping ahead in the future, this is bypassing the Joshua 5 generation, which I'm gonna come back to in a second. This is looking at the judges' generation. So there's one before and there's one after. Both of them are regressive. And this is the judges' generation. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done in Israel, or done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. See, the regressive mistakes of the judges' generation, they didn't have a Joshua-type leader. See, to them, holiness didn't matter. No one stood up to call people to hire. No one made holiness a priority. No one cared about God's faithfulness. No one cared about what he did. So now I'm just gonna grow up and I'm gonna live the life that I want. Doesn't it kind of at times feel like our culture today? Some people not growing up in the church, maybe they just grow up and live the life that they want to. See, they immediately forgot God and they drifted spiritually. In spite of these two generations, one before, one after, both of them are regressive. Both of them just said, you know what? We're gonna take a step back and we're gonna go back to the way that we used to live our life. I'm gonna go back to the way I used to do things. 
But God had something different in mind for the Joshua 5 generation. He called them to be redemptive, and they were perhaps the most redemptive generation in the history of Israel. And I really believe that this, and this has been sitting, this whole message has been sitting on my heart all week. I believe that just as much as the Joshua 5 generation was so redemptive for Israel, I believe that this ministry wholeheartedly can be the most redemptive ministry in all of Gwinnett County. I believe that we are on the cusp coming out of COVID, coming out of wilderness, coming out of this season. We have a decision to make. We either get to be regressive or we get to be redemptive, but holiness is what's gonna determine that. Holiness is how we move forward. Because before they go on to miraculously cross the Jordan River, before they go on to conquer Jericho, God stopped the nation of Israel for a month. Before he take any territory through them, God took territory in them. So before God decides to use you to go make an impact, God has to make an impact in you. And that's why holiness matters. Look at this in Joshua 5. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at, try saying that word, Gibeath Arolath, if you're wondering. I looked it up on YouTube. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, they died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites have moved about in the wilderness for 40 years. Again, that is the Exodus generation. They were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since, no, since not one had obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up sons in their place. He raised up the Joshua 5 generation, and these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised. If you're wondering if circumcision makes you uncomfortable, I'm saying it more than I would like to. So that's <laughs> God's words, not mine. Um, after all nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. And the amount of times that you saw circumcision, you're like, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> See, circumcision was the sign of Israel's separation unto God. This was an act, this was an outward demonstration of their sign of holiness. And so during the 40 years in the desert, Israel stopped circumcising their children, meaning holiness didn't matter to me. Doesn't it feel like wandering sometimes that just you start to get to a spot where holiness doesn't really matter? It's the difference between when you're in a waiting season and when you're in a wandering season. God invites you into waiting, but you, we usually choose to go to wandering. God fulfills his purpose in a waiting season and they both feel like wilderness but the spirit is usually what leads us into waiting, but it's our own flesh that usually leads us into wandering. And before God would use this generation to take the promised land, he required holiness. 
In each generation, each group of people, you have to decide your own holiness level. Let's make it more personal. For you, you have to decide your own personal holiness level. God doesn't let us off the hook on holiness. And your job as a follower of Jesus is to create a lifestyle where you make holiness a priority. Holiness matters. Holiness separates those who are born into the faith from those who are bought into the faith. The Joshua 5 generation was not just born into the faith because all that they knew was wilderness. All that they knew was wandering. That was their upbringing. And each of them would have to choose to be bought into the faith. See, here's the thing. Hang with me on this. Your current holiness is because of your current buy-in. Your current holiness right now is because of your current buy-in to the Lord. You're not born into holiness. You, you buy into it. You're not just riding off of my parents' faith. I'm not just riding off of what the church tells me. I'm not just riding off of the leadership. I'm not just riding off of, well, my grandma's super religious and maybe her prayers will transfer to mine. I'm not, re- I'm not relying off of other people's holiness. See, holiness is no longer an outward physical condition. It is an inward heart condition. Look at what it says in Romans. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, but by, by, by the spirit, to not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. See, holiness does not mean legalism. It does not mean rules. It does not mean set practices. It does not mean certain things. Again, that's the danger of this Christless holiness. See, holiness is a love for God that will allow no distraction. And just as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And holiness boils down to two things. A love for God that hates sin and obedience. If you're taking notes, holiness boils down to two things. A love for God that hates sin and obedience. Because repentance is the permanent change of character. When it comes to holiness, sometimes we live in the arena of false holiness or false repentance. And we just say sorry, and yet we still choose the same sins over and over and over again. Repentance isn't saying sorry. Repentance is turning the other direction. True repentance is a total change of opinion of your living. Repentance is not what you ought to do, but what you ought in your heart to do. Repentance can change not only how you live and what you do, but I really believe the Holy Spirit can change in what you want and what you think. See, holiness gets demonstrated through specific types of obedience. I'll have them up on the screen, the first one. Are y'all still with me? Still want me to go deep? <laughs> Number one, personal obedience. There are specific types of obedience and how we go forward in holiness Personal obedience. Well, what are the things that God is asking of you personally right now? And maybe it's letting go of the same sins because it makes you happy. Just like Julia said in her prompt, sometimes it's the sins that are still around or the ones that we still like. I kind of like to keep these. To some people's relationship with God is always dealing with the one sin you're not willing to give up. 
Maybe it's to leave that toxic dating relationship. Maybe it's to, to quit being lazy on the things that God has called you to do. It's to quit being bitter and apathetic. It's, it's to quit rejecting authority when people want to speak truth into your life. See, for, for all of us, there are things that God invites us on, on personal holiness. The second thing, painful obedience. <laughs> This looks like doing things that God would want you to do even though you don't want to do it. For some of you, you're called to ministry in this room, yet you keep delaying the thing that God's asking of you. You wanna talk about a new thing in prayer. God wants to revisit the same thing that you don't wanna move forward with. In painful obedience, would you confess your sins to one another as scripture has called you to? Would you humble yourself and maybe seek reconciliation over broken friendships that you have in your life? Would you forgive those who have hurt you? Would, you? would you love the people that God has called you to love? See, obedience usually has a cost. It's painful obedience. And we can't give up on our pursuit of holiness because Jesus never gave up on his ability to conquer your sin. We can't give up on a pursuit of holiness because Jesus never gave up on his pursuit to conquer our sin. It's painful obedience. The third thing, private obedience. What happens in your alone time with God? What are the things that you're saying no to and what are the things that you're saying yes to? If people knew, hang with me on this one. If people knew what happens between you and God and they were to get a picture and a snapshot of your time with the Lord, would they be more inclined to follow you or less inclined to follow you? Let's say someone who didn't know Jesus were to look at your time with the Lord, would it incline them to give their life to Jesus or not. Holiness matters. And I really believe that I'm speaking to a room of college students and young adults who have the ability to go and change the world. I don't believe that God has just called you to be a teacher. I don't believe that God has just called you to be an artist. I don't believe that God has just called you to be a doctor. I don't believe that God has just called you just to go work a job. A career is what you get paid for. I believe God has a calling for your life, which is what you're actually made for. I believe that God wants to do new and fresh things in you. I believe that you're a teacher. Why? So that way you can go and impact the school system and reach other people for Jesus. I believe that you're called to be a doctor because you can go in the hospitals and show the love of Jesus. I really truly believe that you're not called to just do a job. God invites you into a higher calling. And that higher calling is holiness. And over the last couple years, I've had more and more conversations of coming out of COVID and people are like, man, we don't have the amount of people that we used to at church and we don't have the, the same numbers and, 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 and it's not the, as big as it used to be. And what if that's not God's heart? What if God wasn't interested in his church growing in numbers? What if God was interested in his church growing in holiness? And your response to that matters. Goes to the last thing, present obedience. What are the things that God is asking of you right now in this moment? Maybe tonight God is asking you things. God is speaking to you. He's asking things of you to step into the next. If God was in this moment, what's the one thing that he would require of you? If Jesus is in this room, what's the one thing that he would say to you? 
How long does it take to say yes to the thing that God's asked of you? How big is the gap between what you heard God say and what you're actually doing about what God said? It's the present obedience. See, holiness matters. And I didn't put this up on, on the screen, but I'm gonna go through it anyways because I think it, I think it matters. Because this pertains to the Joshua generation. See, the Joshua 5 generation, after they had gone into the promised land, after they had conquered Jericho, God had instructed them to not go and, and take things from territories that you're going to conquer. So the Joshua 5 generation is going and taking territory after territory after territory, making an impact for the kingdom. And they were instructed that when you go and you conquer a nation, that to not steal things, to not take things with you. But in Joshua 7, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I want you to revisit this later because this passage will mess with you. In Joshua 7, I didn't put it up because it's 26 verses. <laughs> but it says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to devoted things. Achan is the one that went and, and stole the things that he wasn't supposed to steal. And the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Okay, so let's get in the weeds of it. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Achan is the one that stole. Achan is the one that messed up. How come Israel has to suffer? If you skip down even to verse 10, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. God's saying Israel has sinned. Not Achan, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run and they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So the punishment is on Israel, even though the action was on Achan. And so Joshua goes to Achan. He goes on to say this, my son, give glory to the Lord. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord. What is Achan saying? Well, it was me. That was that. I'm the one that stole. I'm the one that lied. I'm the one that messed up. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder in a beautiful robe, the 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I covered them and took them. I'm the one that stole. So you sit in this passage, go home and read it. It's gonna mess with you because you look at it, well, Achan sinned, but Israel suffered. Well, Israel sinned, but Achan sinned, and Israel sinned, and Achan sinned. You go back and forth, and you're like, that's so confusing. Why, why does it really matter? What's the point in this whole passage? I think the point is that private sins can have communal consequences. Private sins can have communal consequences. Achan forgot that holiness mattered. When Achan's sin, it wasn't just personal, it affected a whole community. And I really believe that God is calling us further and deeper into holiness. Ben, you guys can come back up as we close the night out. But I really believe God is inviting you into holiness. I don't think God ever lets us off the hook. God never lets me off the hook. I come back to this same teaching every single year because it just messes with me because holiness matters. It's the same for you. Whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or you've been following Jesus for three, holiness matters. Your impact will only be as great as much as your holiness matters to you. And I believe coming out of COVID, we, we live at a pretty unique time. 
I think that right now we, we are living in a really interesting day and age. There's a lot of people who maybe fail to see, well, why, why would I go back to church? Why does it matter that I follow Jesus? Why does it matter that I actually get to, to, to be a part of this? And I really believe that, one, this message could be very timely as we kind of lean into what it makes an impact. We're not gonna be a ministry that's regressive. We wanna be a ministry that's redemptive. Redemptive means that we move forward. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna be talking about what it means to make an impact both inside the church walls and outside the church walls. We're gonna be talking about what that means on college campuses, specifically at GGC and UNG. How many people go to GGC and UNG in this room? Come on, we're, over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be uh, uh, on your college campus, just in the coffee shop, just buying coffee for people and loving on people and getting to know their stories and who they are. It's just a tangible way of showing the love of Jesus. I was on GGC's campus a while back and I was meeting with someone and I was in the coffee shop and I, and I told the barista, I said, yeah, we're gonna be back in a couple weeks. We just want to pay for everybody's coffee that's in line. And she was so blown away by the generosity and so blown away by the vision of like, oh my gosh, you guys would actually do that and actually buy coffee for people. And I told her like, yeah, we love this stuff. We love to connect with people. She ended up buying for my coffee and it was almost in tears because she was just so overwhelmed with joy that there are still people who want to make an impact. I believe this ministry has the unbelievable capability of making an impact in Gwinnett County. I believe that this ministry doesn't want to be regressive. I believe that this ministry doesn't want to just go back to what we used to do. Let's go back to the former days in COVID. Let's, let's look back at the past and that was the best that God did. I believe that we have a choice to be redemptive, that we have the choice to live holy and to abide in that because it matters. And holiness has to matter because if holiness doesn't matter to you, you'll never move forward. If holiness isn't personal to you, you'll never have an impact in the world around you. And so we're gonna be unpacking some things of how to make an impact over the next couple of weeks. In April, I'll actually be going to, to Africa, talking with a ministry that wants to end human and sex trafficking. And we're gonna bridge the gap for what that means specifically for C12 and what that means for an organization overseas. Some of you are like, man, when's the next mission trip? I'm going. <laughs> I really believe that our generation gets to choose. We have a choice. I think right now in this moment, you have a choice to be redemptive or to be regressive. God never lets us off the hook on holiness. So where are you riding on last season's holiness? Where are you drifting into secret sin? Maybe tonight God wants to re-enlist you. <laughs> that you would just say, God, I'm, I'm stepping back into being and living a life of holiness. I don't want to be in Aiken. I don't want to be in danger of Christless holiness, but God, I want to step into the calling of what it means to be holy on my life. So the band's about to play and I wanna close out tonight just by praying over you and praying over where you're at. And maybe there's just these constant themes in your life that you're like, yep, God always reminds me of that and I just choose not to say it. I believe there's people in this room who God's calling you to do a certain thing and you're not doing it out of fear. 
I believe God is calling you to start getting involved in the church, to start serving, to start making an impact. Maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry. Maybe God is working in you right now. There is a level of holiness that God is inviting you into. God never lets us off the hook. So God, we just come before you. God, we just want to make room, God, for you to do what you want to do in our life. God, we stay away with the things that prohibit, God, maybe in our mind and in our heart, God, to have ourselves fully devoted to you. God, maybe it's just that relationship that we know that we shouldn't actually step into and it's taking up all of our, our heart's attention, all of our mind's attention. And God, you're inviting us back into holiness. God, maybe there's people in this room who you know that you've called to more and they're just, they wanna play it safe and sit on the sidelines, but their next step, God, is to start going and taking forward steps of obedience. God, to choose to be redemptive. And so God, I pray that this ministry, God, the people in this room, God, when it comes to holiness, it matters. When it comes to holiness, this is a big deal. You never let ourselves off the hook. And as I'm praying, you may have your own personal prayer right in your seat. I want you to have a moment where you talk with God. Ask God the question, God, where am I letting myself off the hook? God, where have I drifted? Where have I fallen away from you? So take that moment and be with Jesus. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12Stone. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.